Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Medicine has traditionally worked to make patients well by attacking disease. That's why people with cancer, for example, take drugs designed to kill cancer cells. Unfortunately, those drugs are often toxic to healthy cells as well. But imagine instead that doctors could enlist the patient's own immune system to fight and perhaps even prevent cancer. Medicine as we know it would be changed. That's the realm of immunobiology. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs. I'm talking with Dr. Richard Flavel, Chair of Immunobiology at Yale. I just gave a wildly ambitious example of the potential of immunobiology, but that is the goal, to take discoveries from the lab into the clinic. And I know your department's very interested in accelerating that process. Can you tell me how you're going about that? Certainly. We have established a new program in what we call human and translational immunology. And what that means is we have investigators, uh, and we're recruiting these, that will apply the basic principles that we have learned about immunology mm-hmm. to practical treatment of diseases in people in clinical trials and uh, the kind of trials that we call proof of concept trials. In other words, something where you have a, an idea mm-hmm. for a treatment for a disease and you test it in order to get a yes-no answer to that concept. So what kinds of folks do you pair off to do that? Are you, are, you work, are you putting bench scientists together with clinicians in practice or not? Yes. Uh, the whole concept of this new program is that we have the basic scientists, and we've had those people right. really all along. We've been uh, at uh, Yale for around 20 years now. That's how long the program exists, the Department of Immunobiology. And we... Um, have now started this new clinical uh, unit. These people, the, the, the translational people, are, are seamlessly uh, uh, connected mm-hmm. to the uh, basic scientists. And of course, we hope that there'll be cross-fertilization. You know, the ideas that come out of the basic science work will be applicable to human work. And vice versa, that mm-hmm. out of the human studies will come ideas that can be quickly tested in animals uh, in order to see where to go next in people. Can you give me an example of some work that could potentially have a real impact in human health? Well, uh, I can give you one practical example that one of our new recruits is is doing, and that's uh, Dr. Kevin Herold, who's uh, recently been recruited into the Translational Immunology Program. His interest is in type 1 diabetes, which is, of course, a terrible disease. It's, it's mm-hmm. an immune-mediated disease. It's an example of an autoimmune disease. Uh, he is applying a strategy that was first tested in mice, which is using an antibody which acts on the receptor that's specifically present on T-cells, known as, the, of course, the T-cell receptor. That antibody is therapeutic, and he's shown that. as He is one of two groups, in mm-hmm. fact, that has shown that. And um, he, he's now going on to work out how it does that, how it achieves that that goal, and working, again, in parallel in mice and and people in order to figure it out. So that's a very practical example, work that came out of the lab with uh, mice that get diabetes naturally was was then applied to humans. Let's talk about mice some more. You're leading a project to give mice a human immune system. 
How is that possible? Yeah, so this is another example of what I would call a translational effort. Uh, what we are trying to do is to take uh, human uh, hematopoietic stem cells. In other words, these, these are the stem cells of the blood system. Mm -hmm. And we transfer those into a mouse that is not going to destroy human cells. You can't put a human cells in a normal mouse because they will just destroy them. Mm -hmm. But if you take a mouse which is deficient in a few of these basic functions that attack other cells, then you can do that. And so we put the cells in, they, they repopulate the mouse and fill up the mouse immune system. Uh, the difference, of course, is now the mouse has a human immune system. Uh, now the concept is, uh, is quite clear, but the details really matter. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the issue with the details are that, that um, you, uh, it doesn't really work very well at, at this stage. And so what we've done is to modify the mouse so that it will work well. And we've got a project which is supported by the Gates Foundation to do that. You've likened it to the Manhattan Project and its potential impact. Why? Well, it's, it's an extremely ambitious goal because it, to really be able to recapitulate an immune system, which is multiple cell types. I mean, mm -hmm. we're probably talking about 12 different kinds of cells that have to develop in a species that is very distinct. We are not mice, obviously. Right. And there are many of the components of the immune system that are required for those cells to develop, uh, which just don't work if they're mouse. So we have to replace the mouse components with human components. And when I say comp components, what I mean is genes. So we're substituting human genes for the mouse ones, and then we hope that the human cells will develop. Why it's a Manhattan Project is because there's a lot of genes we have to, we have to replace. And we have a program currently to, to do this for around 12, and that's already a big effort. Mm -hmm. uh, but that will be only part of the way uh, to the solution for the problem. It, this is not going to be solved in the five years that... Uh, we have allocated to the to the first phase of this work, but I I am pretty confident in that in those five years we will make major uh, headway at least in in getting that to work practically. Painstaking work, but once you figured it out, dramatically increasing the speed of research for everyone else, right? That's right. I mean, just imagine the re one of the reasons that we've done this is because if you if you imagine you wanted to test vaccines, for example, for HIV, and recently, of course, in the news, uh, we've heard these terrible results that right. unfortunately came out of the trials where where the vaccine ideas made things worse. Actually, so what we really need, and and, and everybody, in fact, did say this that we have to go back to basic science and test some of these ideas in a simpler situation. And of course, this mouse system that we will have is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. You can already infect these mice with HIV. And of course, HIV won't infect a mouse normally. It needs to infect human cells. But the mice that have the human cells can be infected. And so you can imagine that we could try you know, dozens of different ways of making a vaccine and get very quick results, mm -hmm. very quick meaning in a few months. Uh, that's no comparison to how slow it is doing it with people right and of course a zero risk to people's health and uh, and so on so that's just one example but it's not limited just to infection I mean obviously 
we, the, the Gates Foundation wants us to do this so that they can develop better vaccines. And that's our short-term focus, and we're very happy and excited right. to do that. And I, the HIV example I just gave you is perfect. Uh, but it can be used for many other things. We could study autoimmune diseases like diabetes. We could um, make the human cells in the mice attack the human tissue that we put into the mice from, and what you could imagine that we could even get uh, the stem cells from patients f that have right. autoimmune so diseases. So a custom mouse for you. That's right. For any given individual, an individual that had a specific genetic disease and uh, so on. So there's a really enormous potential there. And it's, really, it, it's a very exciting possibility. And we're, you know, it's going to be a major part of what we do in the years to come. And I think we should probably emphasize for listeners that when you read that a study proved that X drug did Y in a laboratory animal, currently with laboratory animals that are just animals, it's not necessarily applicable to humans. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Um, there, a term is used very frequently, animal models of, right. of human disease. But we all have to remember, and I emphasize this commonly to people, that they're not truly models of the disease. They are models of a process that you uh, uh, use as an analogy for mm -hmm. the disease. And if you remember that, they're very valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, when you can, if you can have a disease driven by human cells, you're that one bit closer to the human situation. It's still not the real thing. Right. And we have to be humble and remember that too. But it's a lot better potentially. And uh, I think it's going to really have a benefit. Your own work has shed a lot of light on the activity of T-cells, which could obviously help people with HIV or cancer down the road. Are those long-term applications always in your mind, or are you sometimes just following a really interesting question? We are basic scientists, so we are commonly driven by a fundamental question, how does something work? Mm -hmm. But we are very fortunate in working the, in the immune system that we're dealing with a major process that both causes diseases in some circumstances and prevents them in others. And so, yeah, all the time we can see these applications because they're right in front of our eyes. Right. So I consider ourselves really lucky in that regard. So we don't have to be artificial in you know looking for an application. Their applications are right staring us in the face. And so... Uh, it's really a wonderful situation that we can really be doing both at the same time. Yale is still in the minority in being a medical school that has a freestanding immunobiology department. It, would you say that science in general is sort of missing the boat, missing an opportunity? Uh, with regard to, to immunobiology. Uh, immunobiology? I think um, there's something really remarkable about, about immunobiology, uh, which is the study of immunity and inflammation. And that is the that um, we're discovering that many diseases that we never ever thought had anything right. to do with this are have an underlying basis. And that goes as far afield as uh, heart disease, like atherosclerosis, mm -hmm. which is the underlying basis of much heart disease. Even obesity and diabetes, it now looks like these inflammatory processes are central. Right. And so immunobiology actually turns out by from a point of view, good fortune for ourselves, of course, because we're interested in it, uh, to be really central in, in, in much of human health. And so, I, I, I'm, of course, I've not answered your question immediately, but I'm going to do that now. So if you put that in the context of all of this disease, what it mm -hmm. means is that immunobiology 
is kind of central mm -hmm. to uh, a study of human health. And I think it's um, the fact that there are relatively few uh, departments focused on the area is a pity, but there are many in which uh, you have a component of a department, right. which is immunobiology, most commonly pathology or microbiology. Mm -hmm. um, we were the first pretty much in the U.S., the first freestanding one. Right. I think there was something, at the, I think the Mayo Clinic had, had a unit uh, of that nature, but we were, we were pre pretty much the first, and it's uh, a model that's, that's being uh, followed pretty commonly now, but it's a slow process, and I, I think there's just a handful still, but... I think the crucial thing is not just that you have a, an isolated department, but it has to reach out mm -hmm. to the other components of, of medicine because of what I just said, right. because of the, it has so many uh, implications for other diseases. And being at Yale has been really fortunate that we have lots of colleagues that are really interested in working together. So I've been working here now for 20 years collaborating with people on diabetes, on models of MS, on models of infectious disease. It's been just a great pleasure, and uh, Yale's a really great place for that. A number of your colleagues have started teaching a program about genetics in New Haven Middle Schools. Is that kind of knowledge going to be essential for scientific literacy? Yes. I mean, uh, genetics is an underpinning of everything that, that we do. We have to think of ourselves uh, as individuals, each of whom is genetically different. You, uh, you commonly hear the phrase, a normal person, right? But right. of course, there is no such thing. There's, we're all, we all harbor some genes, some are good, some are not so good, and we are just the sum of those, of, of that collection. And so understanding that genetics in the context of the, of the human population and everything that we do is fundamental. And there's not a day that goes by when we, anything that we do that we are constantly thinking in genetic terms. All Everybody in my uh, group, and probably most people in the med school, of course. Thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Richard Flavel, Chair and Sterling Professor of Immunobiology at Yale.